Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 830 with Carrie Luxon. We're talking about termination checklists. Exciting stuff. Let's do what's right, not what's easy. And as we go through these 12 steps, we'll think, keep, keep that in mind as we talk through some of these things that aren't always easy to do. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. What's up, Unstoppable? So you hear me say it at the beginning of every episode, and that's me asking for your support. And one of the ways I want to be better about letting you know how you can support this podcast is through using my affiliate link. So there's two affiliates I want to make sure that you're aware of right now. They are Bento Box and Mies. So starting with Bento Box, Bento Box is probably absolutely, as a matter of fact, the most recommended website platform on the show, like a website development platform on the show. And the funny thing is not only are they just recommended organically, but when I'm researching my guests and I'm looking at their websites to learn more about them, I just see this trend that I I see bento box popping up time and time again. So if you are somebody who's not very web savvy and you know that you're probably just better off outsourcing and handing off, making sure that your website is up to date with all the bells and whistles and just, you know, the the latest version of the best thing you can have, then make sure you're joining or or subscribing to because it's a subscription based model bento box. And it's not just a static website. It's a dynamic tool for your business with bento box. You can do online ordering, dine in order and pay pre-order catering, digital gift cards, merchandise, online ticketing. Uh, not only are you getting website to de- design, but you're also getting SEO and uh, you can manipulate the website from the back end and super user friendly for people who aren't tech savvy or web design savvy. So If you're interested in a website solution and you want what all my guests are using, make sure you head to the show notes page. And if you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 830, today's episode number, we'll have a link for you waiting over there to get Bento Box. You have to use that link because that's how they tie your clicks to my account. The best thing you can do is click the link in the show notes next to Bento Box uh, under the, 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 the show sponsor section and email me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. That way we'll make sure that you're supporting the show. The other sponsor I want to tell you about is Mies. So Mies is like Evernote for the chef. It is a recipe and costing tool and e-learning tool. It's all these different tools in one, and it really helps you get all of your thoughts onto not paper, but into the cloud accessible anywhere. And I think one of the coolest features I, I like about Mies is that if you didn't go to culinary school like me and you're not really savvy with uh, conversions with recipes or just like scaling recipes, if you manipulate one field in a recipe, it will auto populate every other field in the recipe to, uh, to basically mirror that one change you needed. So say, you know, you, your recipe generally calls for one pound of flour, but you need to scale it for catering and you're going to be feeding a thousand people. Then you can move it to a hundred pounds Right. And then every other ingredient in that recipe will scale to um, just basically make it easier and consistent and having no 
I don't know, element unseen uh, when it comes to scaling recipes. I think that's really powerful. The other really cool part about me is that I'm excited about is the e-learning features. So when you're developing these recipes, you can also implement these or embed these videos to literally show your people exactly how you want it done. So you can increase your operational standards. So, Again, the company name is Mies and their website is getmies.com slash unstoppable. Please make sure you're using these links and that you're emailing me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com when you use a link so I can make sure to follow up on my end. All right, guys, thank you so much for your support. You have no idea how grateful I am. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but before we get started, just a quick reminder, this podcast needs your support. You can support our sponsors. You can support our affiliates. You can share this podcast with anybody you know who's aspiring to be great. You can subscribe to this podcast. There's a ton of things you can do to support the podcast, and uh, make sure you pay attention to today's ads because those ads are two of my key sponsors right now that I want to make sure you guys are aware about. So uh, again, uh, pay close attention to today's ad. So today we're talking to Carrie Luxum. Carrie Luxum is the founder of Carrie Luxum HR Group. She's a repeat guest on the show. So if you are not familiar with Carrie, you got to get familiar. Make sure you go back and listen to our past episodes. Today we're talking about the termination process. There's a lot of chatter out there right now about hiring people. Uh, there's a shortage in the industry about you know where to find people, how to hire people. But I think that uh, the conversation that needs to happen more often is how to go about terminating people because you can get yourself into a lot of trouble if you don't take the time to document things to really cover your butt. And that's the kind of stuff we're going to be getting into today. The things you can do to cover your fanny when it comes to terminating your employees. So uh, pay close attention and make sure you stick around to the very end of today's conversation because at the end, I'm going to show you or share with you how you can get the three free giveaways that Carrie shared with us during today's episode. But you got to stick around to the end. I'll let you know how you can get those. All right. Here she is. Carrie Luxem. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, CEO of Restaurant HR Group, Carrie Luxem. Carrie, are you feeling unstoppable today? As always, Eric, I'm unstoppable, especially when I'm on your show. Yes, I cannot wait to dive in. So if if you guys uh, are not familiar with Carrie and you want to get familiar with Carrie, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 321 and 753. Just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash the episode number 321 or 753, and you can kind of get familiar. Uh, In the past, Carrie and I have covered HR systems and recruiting Now we're kind of on the other spectrum, on the other end of that process, which is the termination process. Uh, So we're going to be covering 12 tips to properly terminate your employees. But before we dive into that, Carrie, you know, it's a a tradition here. We got to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? I've got for you, let's do what's right, not what's easy. And as we go through these 12 steps, we'll keep, keep that in mind as we talk through some of these things that aren't always easy to do. Do what's right, not what's easy. Um, there's a lot of truth to that statement. I think most, right. of, most of the right things in life aren't the easy things. Is that pretty right. safe to say? So let's just get into it. What, are, what is the first right. tip? So it's like 12 steps, right? Kind of everything goes together. And what I thought we would do today is as we sort of kind of go through these 12 steps, 
you know, we may jump around a little bit. Termination, you know, the thing about termination, we have step one is really uh, understanding the ins and outs of the legal side of terminations. You know, I think oftentimes people just think, hey, I'm in an at-will state or, hey, I hire people. I don't have a contract with people so I can terminate them. There are very various laws and rules and regulations in every state. And you just have to be aware of what those are. So if you're not aware of them, get aware of them. And it's anything from the things I just mentioned. You know, well, first of all, you, you want to make sure that you're not, you know, breaking any laws by discriminating and all of that stuff. And and there's a, a lot of ways to go into that. But also you need to understand in your state what's allowed in terms of if you do terminate somebody, when do you have to give them their paycheck? Do you have to provide them with something that shows them why you terminate them? All of the states, again, are just a little bit different. And sometimes even within the states, there's different rules. So if you're not familiar with those and you you need to be, you know, consult an attorney, do some research on your own and you can get familiar with where you operate and what the rules and the laws are. Are there any like red, not red states? Because I want people to get the wrong idea. Uh, not, I don't want to get political. Are there any like hot states, yellow states, like warning I mean, states that are you know, like the, the common? You know, California can be a little tricky. You know, you, I know uh, Bob's in New York, and you know, there's different there's different um, areas that are a little bit more kind of strict if that's what you're looking for. But ultimately, I think you know, as we go through this. 45 minutes or an hour. It's really about doing the right thing. And, and, you know, there are certain, certain rules and laws that you have to be aware of, but just remember that as you are bringing people on and you terminate people, it should be a very, very big deal, not only from a cultural standpoint, but from a legal standpoint as well. And I'll just tell you guys, I, think sometimes people go, oh, HR, you know, they're so sensitive and they're so over the top. And these lawyers, there's a reason that I'm sensitive with my clients and give the advice that we do. There are hundreds and thousands of lawsuits filed with the EEOC on an annual basis. And it goes up, you know, so so even if you're a good company, you're a good person, you really did fall. You really didn't feel like you did the wrong thing. If you don't understand how you need to document things and how you need to have things set up and what the laws are, you know, there are unfortunately people out there that you could hire that are looking for you to have those holes in in your processes. So, um, you know, so. You know, yes, Eric, there's certain states that are that are, um, you know, maybe a little bit more complex or confusing than others. But I think in general, whether you're in Iowa or you're in California, you just need to be buttoned up and, and understand what the rules and the laws are. All so, right. So is that tip number one or is that that's a number preface? One. OK. And number one, number okay, one, that's what I said. we're going to kind of touch and I'll go into another topic and they sort of overlap. But that was number one. Did I take too long? Eric? No, you didn't. I just wanted to make sure okay. we're on the same page. Right. So that's Perfect. tip I'll, number I'll one. Know your legal, know your legal termination uh, or your legal. I don't know. Know, know the, the unique know rules the to stuff. each state. Basically. Know, know your stuff. And that kind of goes into sort of, you know, hand in hand. Step number two that we're going to talk about is provide an employee handbook. Right. And Bob and I were talking a little bit before we started about he has, you know, his lawyers doing the employee handbook. It's not necessarily a, a, a law that you as a business have to have an employee handbook, but it's absolutely something that if you want to be protected, you need to have an employee handbook. And, um, you know, I always say all businesses should have one, you know, and here's what I'll tell you. A lot of times employee handbooks 
um, you know, can can be um, support, sort of a false sense of security. You think you've got it on page 24 of what you're supposed to be doing. And, oh, my gosh, let's see, it's in this handbook. But if you're not if you're not practicing the things and, and upliving the things that are in that handbook, then you, you've got to be uh, very careful. But I would tell you so you have you know, you have the task of making sure that you have not just an employee handbook, but a really well done employee handbook. And one of the things that I do in my own company, and one of the things that we advise our clients to do when we help them when we're creating their handbooks, instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff that is potentially things that you could be sued for into a handbook, really think about the life cycle of an employee, right? So you've got somebody coming to work for you. I want to make sure that they understand from the very very beginning of the handbook, as well as we're going to get into the next step, which will play into this. But you want to make sure that they know who you are, what your culture beliefs are, what your values are. And then what I do is I take my handbook and my we advise our clients to go through the life cycle of an employee. All right. So when at the beginning of the handbook, it would start with a message from the CEO. That's basically our, 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 you know, our culture and what what I want you to understand and what I want you to feel working here. All these are different. Just depends on what the either the CEO or maybe the COO or whoever's writing that will have in there. And then it essentially goes into recruiting. How do we recruit and hire? What's important for you to know? What are the, you know, the rules and the laws and the protections? You sort of mix it in there with everything. Then it goes on to hiring and then onboarding and then all the way kind of through payroll and benefits and, you know, all of that, all the way through termination. And what I can provide for you, Eric, is I have a, I have a table of contents checklist that I used when I built my own employee handbook that I can provide for you. Carrie, you get out of my head. I've, the next question I had is like, what is that, that index, that checklist look like? And I feel like you're we're, <laughs> Eric, you know, we go back. Okay. We're in sync. <laughs> so Keep going, but I, I can share that with you. I don't think I printed it out. I printed out a couple other things, but I will provide that to you. And what you'll see, it's just, you can certainly change it however you want. And what we do in, when we use this, this table of contents checklist with our clients, we basically go through each category and there's certain things they don't want to add to the, to the, to their own handbook. You know, so, you know, obviously there's things that we have in there that you can't remove. You should always have a sexual harassment policy. You know, there's certain things in there that we, require that you keep in there for your own well-being but there are certain things you know break you know maybe it's something to do with a meal policy or or you know your stance on something maybe they don't want to add a welcome message or whatever and that's kind of um you know depending on the on the company but when you so i'll I'll provide this for you eric and then if you guys take this table of contents what you'll basically have is a full checklist of everything that i recommend you think about putting in your handbook and in a way that's organized so the employee can really comprehend it they can understand what happens when i get hired what happens when i'm here what do my benefits look like and here's the other thing i'll say about number two and then we can move on we so when things change, our benefits enhance, or you know, we we remove a benefit or a policy changes. We change it as we go. So we don't update our handbook once a year. We kind of update it, and we do have an, an attorney review it 
every year to make sure that we've covered all of our bases. But we use it. I actually call my handbook a playbook. I'm a playbook writer. I like to write playbooks, but we call it, you know, restaurant HR group employee playbook. And I've even included links in it. So I link a video message from me. Um, You know, and this is done electronically. We have it available uh, non-electronic too, which you could think about doing both of those ways for people. Um, But basically we've created it to be kind of a working document so often handbooks are just the dumping ground for a bunch of crap that nobody nobody reads you know so i think if you make it a useful tool it can help you not only culturally but when it comes to terminations and 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 legal issues and things like that yeah i love that i love that idea of looking at your handbook as a dynamic constantly changing living document especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to protocol because i think a lot of times when people are thinking about protocol they don't know. They're like, they, they can't think of all the things that could happen. But as right. things are happening, when the cucka does hit the fan and you're like, yeah. wow, that really stunk. I don't want that to happen again. That's when that's your cue to if this happens, then this happens. You know, right. it's you're always adding on to throwing in those scenarios of right. what happens if there's a fire, what happens if there's an emergency. Oh. And sometimes we can't predict everything, but when those things do happen. I mean, and honestly, Erica, you know, the, the, the world changes, right? The world, the, the business, the, you know, COVID has changed a lot of things. So as things evolve and grow and change, so should your processes and your systems. And so if you think of this as a sort of living, breathing tool that you can use, you're going to update it. I mean, I spent 11 years as a director of HR with Potbelly Sandwich Works. I started there when there were three restaurants. I left when they're 225 we updated the handbook on a quarterly basis mm-hmm. and it never stopped you know even when we stayed at 50 stores for a long time you just have to constantly think about it that's that's called business and life you know nothing is even in training nothing is like built and that's what it is forever and ever so yeah. thinking about it like that it. so that rolls into number three ready for number three eric the only constant is change right yes that is and very I, true and i am ready for number three hit us excellent All right. So we've got one we talked about knowing your legal terminations. Two is the handbook. Make sure that you have a well done handbook. I'm going to provide the table of contents. And number three is really take the onboarding to heart. If you have this handbook done very well, it could sort of be your training template for your orientation and the beginning of your onboarding process. So when when I hire somebody new, and you know, my husband is a restaurateur, he operates 24 Dunkin Donuts, and we use a a very similar uh, handbook for his hourly employees and managers uh, that they get sort of similar to my playbook, and we use it in their onboarding and their orientation. And it because it's it's filled with stuff that really matters to them, not just a six page of pages of legal jargon. You know, they're going to read it. They're going to be in, they're going to understand that it's talking about bonuses or their money or their benefits or the career path and all that good stuff. So here's what I'll say. Orientation and especially now in the world that we're all understaffed, everybody's looking for people. This is sometimes thrown on the back burner, but the clients that I work with, the, the, the operators that I work with that take the time to build a great orientation and onboarding and training process processes, they're the ones that come out ahead and, and have less legal issues and, and terminations and things like that. So it's like really investing the time on the front end to build this and then consistently create, uh, you know, a great onboarding as as you go. It's what you're doing in this in this 
onboarding process is you're really setting the expectations from the very beginning. And so if you don't do that, then people don't know the expectations. They're going to break the rules. You're going to want to fire them. And then there's there's you know no handbook and then you're going to get yourself into trouble. Yeah, I can't like the 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 saying higher slow fire fast is coming into my mind right now. Of really just being super intentional with the onboarding process and making sure that it's hard to get hired, you know? Like you, you want to you want to really filter through people um and I think the other thing that's coming to mind I'm kind of curious on your feedback on this is this idea of paying people to leave. Right? Like what? Paying people to leave. I'm seeing there's a trend right now where, hey, if you quit within the first two weeks, we'll give you $500. You know, like because I, you're. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Well, yeah, because what, what's happening is you want to. The people that got hired, they're going through the onboarding process. They're slowly realizing, you know what, maybe I don't want to work here. Maybe this culture isn't a right fit for me. And they, they realize it, but they're afraid to quit. If you make that incentive for them, if you get. Because you'll spend a whole lot less. Or a whole lot more than five hundred dollars beyond that point of continuing the train and on board and put energy into this person. It's less expensive just to give them five hundred dollars to leave now. Yeah, I, I completely one hundred percent disagree with that strategy. Okay, well, by the way. Us, like I've heard that before, so like, I, I'm I, I don't like that strategy. And, and you know, honestly, I see some people get severances after being there for a while. It's sometimes more of the maybe it's a, a manager or above. Um, I think it's better to sort of be intentional in your recruiting efforts. Bring on the right people, you know, have tight expectations, hold people accountable consistently. And if they don't work out, they shouldn't be there and you shouldn't have to pay them. And honestly, I see that some reverse concerns could happen with that. If a lawyer got a hold of, I had to pay somebody $500 to leave. What did you do wrong? You know, I don't think that's a great strategy personally. I've heard it twice or three times in 800 interviews. So one thing I've learned on this show is there's no one way. Um, Yeah. There's no one oh, way. That's true. Uh, that's something I've heard. I I totally respect your opinion as well. That's why you're here. So yeah, yeah please shed light where, wherever you can and why that might not yeah. be a good idea, please. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. But I mean, I don't see what when there would be a great circumstance to do that. Again, I do see people that aren't performing well that have been with a company a really long time and they severance them out. They're highly compensated or whatever. And those might have some areas. But to bring on hourly employees or managers and say, okay, like, can you imagine if the word got out on the street? If you go to work here and it doesn't work out, they're going to pay you a, a leave bonus. It just doesn't seem doesn't seem right to me. I hear that. Uh, we can unpackage that maybe during coffee with Eric in another day because I'd love to get more <laughs> perspective on that. But keep going. Uh, All right, unless, you, unless there's more you want to unpackage with this number three. Nope, I think that's good. So that was the third one with the orientation. And when you're in the orientation and if you're using your handbook, one of the side notes I'll make is make sure you're getting that hand signature, that receipt signed receipt of the handbook because you'll need that later if you need to prove that you're terminating them for a, a policy that they violated. All right. So number one, number two, number three, we've gotten through. And number four, Say that one more time. Cause I want to make sure people heard that. This is well, really important. So yeah. So when you're, when you have the, so we talked about number two, making sure you have a handbook, right? You're going to pr- provide them that handbook in their orientation and go through it. You need to make sure that they acknowledge that they have read and understood that handbook. So you want to make sure they're either signing something or they're signing off on it if you have a electronic like HRS payroll platform. Because when you go to terminate somebody and they say, hey, they violated this policy, how do we know that you told them this policy? And if you have the signed handbook, then you're going to be you know, in a much better position to show that you communicated that policy to them. Thank you. Okay. okay. Moving yeah. on to number four. Okay. Yeah. Number four track and document employee performance. Okay. So 
this does not necessarily mean it has to be formal. So, you know, I think that a lot of companies are not doing formal performance reviews with the rating and the old kind of, you know, outdated performance reviews. Some still are, but you you definitely want to make sure that you're kind of on an ongoing basis tracking performance. I'll tell you how I do it. You know, I, I, you know, go through the orientation process. We sort of measure how they go through that. We do a little testing or check their knowledge after an orientation. And then we check in with them every quarter. So we do a, a, a check-in. In my check-in, I ask them a lot of questions about what they love, what they don't. You know, a lot of questions that help me be a great company. And then we get into what they think they're doing well, what they think maybe they need work on. And then we give them our perspective and we write it all out because it's helpful for them. And then, of course, we keep that. And so if there are you know, customer praises. We talk about those and we add those to the information that we're sharing with them. If there are customer complaints on them or if there are there's feedback that isn't so promising, we share that information as well. All right. So, so making sure that you're tracking and documenting performance. What are some of the disciplines that we can develop to make sure we're doing this? Because I feel like this is something that we might say up front, like this is something we're going to do going forward. But I see that being a, a habit that is easily could they fall through the cracks. So yeah, it's what- it's one of those things. It's not easy. It's not easy to be consistent here. And you know, you it's it's like anything. I feel like the best brands out there, they create systems and they consistently stick to them. It's tough. I'm a small company. I have 15 people. We are close knit. We're not running a bunch of restaurants and it's hard for me. So I can't take away from the challenges of it. But I think you've got to build these systems and you've got to make sure it's sustainable. So maybe it's not you as the chief operations officer or the the controller or whatever that does these, but you've got to have a process to, you know, to do this. And and you, you, you create some clients that we have are so not formal and they don't want formal kind of sit down, check in performance reviews, but not only do you need to track this stuff for the reasons of terminations and legal and all that, but it's doing right by your, you know, by your employee. They, they, people need to know how they're doing. So I think it's, it's just like with anything, it's people are going to focus on what you, you know, determine matters. If you never talk about giving feedback and you don't require that as part of a manager's role, they're not going to do it. So, I mean, I think that you've got to, to do that. I, I just think about, you know, I have two teenage sons, right? And they're very, very involved in sports and they have some really amazing coaches and they have some that aren't as amazing coaches. The coaches that are really amazing are the ones that give them ongoing feedback, that sit down with them. They send emails with evaluations. I can see how much more they get out of my kids than a coach that just kind of goes to the game, gives them a couple claps, moves on, the, you know, provides them some feedback on the fly. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of a silly analogy, but it, it's, it's really true. If you think of your team and your people as you went out and recruited all these players, right? You want to make sure that they're understanding the game. And we talk about the handbook and understanding the expectations. You take them through the, you know, onboarding, you're teaching them the game, you're teaching them everything. And now you need to, they need to play the game. They're coming to work every day and you need to give them feedback on what they're doing great and what they're not. And so sometimes I think the, the non-formal feedback is so powerful. You know, not every single thing you do has to be really formal and sit down. 
if, if you're getting to a performance review check-in, I mean, when we do check-ins, my people are very rarely surprised with what we're saying because we're doing it all the time. And it's, it's, you've got to get into a, you into, um, it's a mindset change. It's not, you know, some of it is a system with these formal sit downs and stuff, but you just have the way that you have to be is that constant ongoing feedback. Way too often managers will hold all of the information until their check-in or their performance review every six months or year. And they sit down and the employee has no idea they're failing miserably and they, they share that information. So I think Eric, to go back to your question, I think it's just a commitment to setting up a process following up with that. And then as a leader, as owners, as controllers, as CEOs, you know, you know, making that part of the culture, that feedback and that coaching and all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can't help but think of the book Atomic Habits because it's a book that we're reading in the the network right now. And really habits are just, they're systems. They're they're the the baseline for systems and processes and procedures. You can take so much from this book and apply it to business and how to develop system and process. And usually if you want something to become habitual, you get a tr- usually there's a trigger involved. So I, I think that if, if you can figure out if you whenever there's a trigger where where you see something right, and if you can find a way to weave these things into your business, and what's coming to mind is maybe the, it's the pre meal um, or the pre service meeting, right? right? Where a lot of rituals that people do during the pre meal or the pre service meeting is they will tell a story of they'll point out when somebody did something well. So if that becomes something that becomes a routine when you're like celebrating wins as part of your, your, uh, you know, part of your routine for the, the, the pre meal or the pre service meeting, then when you identify that somebody did something well, the, the final act of that process is documenting it. Right. So now you have triggers. So like the, the, the thing's not done until it's documented and you create little systems for all this stuff is, is that good advice? Like what's going through your mind? When yeah, I say no, absolutely. I think it's just thinking things through and creating a process and a system. And, you know, I, I ask my team a lot or my husband asks his employees or his managers a lot, what works and what doesn't we talk through it. And we, 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 uh, you know, edit it and evolve it as things grow and change. But yes, Eric, I think that kind of stuff is great. It's just a, it's thinking things through. It's having a plan. It's executing the plan and holding people accountable for it. And I think that oftentimes we talk about people. It's so important that we have this team and we're building great teams. And it's the, you know, we spend all of our efforts on, you know, really systemized marketing programs to get more customers or whatever it is. And that's where our energy goes. Put that same level of effort into the people processes and the people systems and, you know, managing, you know, I think I said in one of your former, our former podcasts, you know, it's about managing things, systems and processes and leading people. And if you're sort of doing the combination of those things, you're going to be so much better off. Yes. Awesome. I think now is a great time to take our first break. Thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to bust out five through 12 tips. Excellent. What's up, Unstoppable? So you hear me say it at the beginning of every episode, and that's me asking for your support. And one of the ways I want to be better about letting you know how you can support this podcast is through using my affiliate link. So there's two affiliates I want to make sure that you're aware of right now. They are Bento Box and Mies. So starting with Bento Box, Bento Box is probably absolutely, as a matter of fact, the most recommended website platform 
on the show, like a website development platform on the show. And the funny thing is not only are they just recommended organically, but when I'm researching my guests and I'm looking at their websites to learn more about them, I just see this trend that I see bento box popping up time and time again. So if you are somebody who's not very web savvy and you know that you're probably just better off outsourcing and handing off, making sure that your website is up to date with all the bells and whistles and just, you know, the the latest version of the best thing you can have, then make sure you're joining or or subscribing to because it's a subscription based model bento box. And it's not just a static website. It's a dynamic tool for your business with bento box. You can do online ordering, dine in, order and pay pre-order catering, digital gift cards, merchandise, online ticketing. Uh, not only are you getting website to de- design, but you're also getting SEO and uh, you can manipulate the website from the back end and super user friendly for people who aren't tech savvy or web design savvy. So If you're interested in a website solution and you want what all my guests are using, make sure you head to the show notes page. And if you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 830, today's episode number, we'll have a link for you waiting over there to get Bento Box. You have to use that link because that's how they tie your clicks to my account. The best thing you can do is click the link in the show notes next to Bento Box uh, under the, 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 the show sponsor section. And email me, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. That way, we'll make sure that you're supporting the show. The other sponsor I want to tell you about is Mies. So Mies is like Evernote for the chef. It is a recipe and costing tool and e-learning tool. It's all these different tools in one, and it really helps you get all of your thoughts onto, not paper, but into the cloud, accessible anywhere. And I think one of the coolest features I, I like about Mies is that if you didn't go to culinary school like me and you're not really savvy with uh, conversions with recipes or just like scaling recipes, if you manipulate one field in a recipe, it will auto populate every other field in the recipe to, uh, to basically mirror that one change you needed. So say, you know, you, your recipe generally calls for one pound of flour, but you need to scale it for catering and you're going to be feeding a thousand people. Then you can move it to a hundred pounds Right. And then every other ingredient in that recipe will scale to um, just basically make it easier and consistent and having no, I don't know, element unseen uh, when it comes to scaling recipes. I think that's really powerful. The other really cool part about me is that I'm excited about is the e-learning features. So when you're developing these recipes, you can also implement these or embed these videos to literally show your people exactly how you want it done. So you can increase your operational standards. So Again, the company name is Mies and their website is getmees.com slash unstoppable. Please make sure you're using these links and that you're emailing me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com when you use a link so I can make sure to follow up on my end. All right, guys, thank you so much for your support. You have no idea how grateful I am. We are back. And what is the fifth tip for the termination process? Fifth tip. Uh, is coaching and caring. And, you know, it seems like a silly tip, I guess, to be in the termination thing. But I feel like so often people, managers, they spend their time, their automatic reaction to things is to discipline. It's discipline, discipline, discipline. Coach more, discipline less, and watch what happens, you know? So I think that, you know, we, you know, it kind of talked all the stuff that we just talked about when we talked about employee performance and we kind of got into a little bit of a, a rant on all that stuff. But, you know, 
spend your time thinking about the team that you have and 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 coach them and give them feedback. And, you know, as a manager, it's so funny. Sometimes I hear restaurant managers or, or owners or multi-unit operators say, geez, my people, if I could just get them to do what they need to do, I could do my job, right? Well, that is your job. Your job as the coach or the manager or the owner of the company is to ensure that your people have the tools they need to play the game they're in. And so people are complex. Life is stressful. Everybody's life is different. So if, if you know, I, I, I think back of a, a consultant called us, called on us once to walk him through a situation. And this is a guy that was very much about people. He's like, I'm about people and I care and I'm trying to build reward and recognition programs. The long and the short of the story is he asked us for some advice on a person that he had just hired into his company. She had been there for three days, an hourly employee, and she was struggling a little bit on the the, the t- making the tacos fast enough, right? He automatically just wanted to terminate her instead of she's a good person. You spent all this time to, to, to work with her, you know, to bring her on, coach her a little bit, give her an opportunity. And I think that's the first reaction. A lot of times when somebody isn't, isn't doing what they need to do is discipline them, write them up, get them on, you know, document them, document them. I mean, I can tell you, I have been, in the restaurant industry for 30 years. I started at Dairy Queen when I was 15 and I'm now going to be really old. I'm not going to tell you how old, but a long time ago I was doing that. And I have never, ever, I worked at Dairy Queen at Olive Garden, Little Caesars have never gotten written up. And I can't even imagine, I mean, I'm, I, I'm an overachiever and I work really hard, but I think that instead of making that the first reaction, try to get that. Maybe they're a terrible, terrible employee and, you know, you're going to get there, but try to coach a little bit more. So that's number five. And that's like something I love to echo often is this idea that a lot of people will argue that we are in the, we're not in the food business. We're in the experience business. And I would take it even further and say, we're not in the experience business. We're in the people development business really, because we're only as good as the people we surround ourselves with. And we're hiring a lot of young people who don't really have those soft skills yet. It's our responsibility to empower these people, to get them up to that place. And guess what? It never ends. Never ends. Never ends. And accept that. Make your life so much easier right now. Just accept that it never ends because you'll drive yourself crazy. If you think that it's, and it's, it's I mean, if you, if you just had a perfect team of angels that just did what they were supposed to do and they never had any outside circumstances or, you know, problems, why would you need to be a manager or a, or a leader? You know, why would your everybody could just be wonderful? You know, it's part of being a great leader. It's about a, it's a part of managing a restaurant is you have to go into it expecting that there are going to be speed bumps and you've got how you navigate those speed bumps is really what is going to separate you being a great manager and leader versus just being an average one that sort of leads by intimidation and discipline and all that stuff. And it's, it's kind of, it seems like an old school way, but people still do it. I mean, lots of people that I know in this industry, it's like, I'm the, you know, it's like, there's some of it's a little bit of a power trip. I'm the manager. Maybe they used to be a shift leader an hourly. They haven't been trained properly. It's like, well, I'm the manager. I'm supposed to discipline. And, you know, I mean, I've even heard of companies who like almost reward how many, you know, how much documentation do you have on your people? It's like, you know, if it's positive, that's one thing, but if it's just disciplining, I mean, we are all adults here, you know, if, you know, like you're getting disciplined, we're not seven-year-olds, but there is, there is a place for documentation, but it's just not as heavy as I think it can be sometimes. Yeah. All right. Number six, 
Number six, it, 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 again, these kind of all go hand in hand, but in uh, creating improvement plans. And so it's essentially putting together a plan to help somebody get better. You know, it's benchmarks. It's, uh, you know, what happens if like maybe there's a real serious problem with something and if they can't fix it, maybe they're a great person, but they can't really work here if they can't do this main part of the job or whatever. But it's, it's you know, you, you as, a, as an organization, Eric, you have all these book clubs and different things. The improvement plans that we have for our company, it's very much a part of like our, it's kind of a part of our culture of learning. And so we incorporate YouTube videos and books that we rec- recommend reading. And we sort of like incentivize our team to participate in those. And what we see is the improvement happening. We track it all. But the, the, the part you have to be careful about with improvement plans is that you don't make it all so positive if it's really there are negative issues, because then when you go to terminate, you get all this amazing positive stuff. So it's really just a way to, you know, to help somebody get better, improve, become better tomorrow than they are today, maybe help them on their soft skills or leadership skills, or maybe you've got a shift leader that really wants to be an assistant manager, help them create a pathway. What can you do for them and put this on an improvement plan. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious, is this more, when you're saying improvement plan, are you thinking more of like a one-on-one basis or is this like yeah. a more overall arcing? No, like, it's a, it's a one-on-one. It's like a, you know, it, it can be, uh, you know, sort of set up kind of similar to what a performance review would look like. But, um, you know, we have a little like Excel thing where we track the different trainings that they go through and we know, you know, where the people on our team fall short in certain areas. And we maybe accentuate that a little bit and we incentivize people to learn and grow. We, you know, we do have, we've had performance issues and, and different things. We'd add that and try to improve it. We benchmark the improvements they've made and what happens if they don't aren't able to make that improvement. Maybe they aren't going to take the path that they thought they wanted to take or whatever it is. Again, it's just all about having a system and it's, and a lot of this stuff, it isn't, it isn't so black and white, right? Every single person is unique and different and their learning styles are different. We had a lot of stuff in there. We talk a lot at the onboarding side of things with my company and how do you learn well? Is it you hands on, you jump in, do you like to watch videos? Are you, you learning from podcasts or, you know, are you reader or is it a combination? of everything and then we kind of incorporate all of that into these improvement plans so what's the, what is the difference between a performance plan and a performance review a performance review is a little bit more uh, on what you have done and basing you know it's it's more of a you know performance looking at your performance maybe there's a little bit more constructive stuff in there an improvement plan is more more of a map to get you where you're going it's more of a guide and a way i have somebody that's an hr generalist and they want to be an hr manager okay here's how you've been performing that's on your performance review we don't do performance reviews here, but that's what would be on your performance review. On your improvement plan or on, you know, there's other terms for it, but I'm going to include stuff to help that person get to where they're going to get certified. And we put that and we map it out. And it's more of like trying to get them to where they're going. And in the case of restaurants, sometimes an improvement plan, maybe somebody's at your restaurant and they're trying to, you know, they don't really want to be a lifelong restaurateur. You want to keep them there for a couple of years. Is there something that you can teach them while they're working there that will help them in their, you know, biology degree or something. And, you know, some, some of the, you know, soft skills or whatever it may be. So 
the thing about improvement plans and performance reviews, it's a lot of work, Eric. Yeah. An improvement plan, and again, I'm a smaller company and we take the time and we spend a lot of time coaching and, you know, uh, you know, there, there are, there are ways to do like a check-in. So like if you have managers that are doing check-ins with hourly employees, maybe you have 20 employees in your restaurant, there's a way to incorporate some of this Here's some things. Here's your strengths and your weaknesses. It doesn't have to be a completely separate and formal thing, but here are some things that you can do to improve your interaction with customers. Or here are some things that you can do to be more confident when you're speaking in front of your coworkers, you know, yeah. or whatever it may be. So I think this is a very like subtle way to also start the documenting process without being like, hey, you're doing a bad job. You know, like it's like, hey, you're, you're doing good, but you could be doing, a, we're expecting you to do better. You know, right. like here's the expectation and it's a kind of, it's, it's more, I don't know, it's more approachable, I guess, than like a, I don't know, it's just kind of a way to kind of mask that documentation process. Is that the wrong way to look at it? No, it's not. There is really no, there is really no wrong way, but I do like the kind of the way you're thinking. Cause it's not saying here's a corrective action form. You notice I separated those, yeah. Eric. It's not, it's not like, Hey, I'm disciplining you, but you can be honest. But then again, that is what I was saying earlier. It's really risk. If your improvement plans are meant to be sort of like positive and we're going to, you know, help you grow, but you have to be honest if there are things are falling short with that are, if they're not fixed that are going to yeah. cause them issues on staying or getting promoted yeah. or whatever. They and I think be. this is why it's so important to have standards because, yeah. because when you have standards, you can correct the process, not the person, because you can say, yeah. this is the standard. This is the expectation. Here's where you are. Clearly we all can see that you're below the expectation as far as your performance. When you're looking, we have so many tools today to track this stuff too, right. especially like with in our POS of like, you know, sales performance and stuff like that. There's like so mm-hmm. many tools that are just our disposal to track this information. So you right. can correct the process, not the person, right? Yep. So yep. on to number seven, initiate okay. corrective action. So this is really more of the write-up and I'd be happy to share this with you too, uh, Eric. There's a lot of different examples of correction act, corrective action records. This to me should be kind of a last resort effort. You've coached, you've guided, you've, you know, and, Every single situation is different. If you have a terrible employee in the first four days, you're not going to necessarily go through the same progressive discipline that you would with somebody who's around for five years. But a corrective action form is really when you have given it a lot of effort to help them be successful. You've coached, you've guided, you've done maybe performance reviews, you've done, and you're not seeing any improvement or maybe, you know, there's, they're, you're starting to see that they've started to become very toxic or you fill one of these out when it's something that's kind of more severe one time, you know? So, so you just have to kind of look at it. And what this corrective action does is it really outlines the facts, the violation that they, you know, the, the, the policy they violated or the situation that happened. It gives them, you know, what, you know, what exactly is the problem that's happened and what is going to happen? You know, how do they fix it and what happens if they don't? Are they going to be terminated? This is really where, you know, when you're filing, when you're fighting unemployment or you have lawsuits or whatever, this is really good. The way we have this set up is a really good way to show that we have given this person, the information that they, you know, the, the problems, and we told them what was going to happen if it didn't stop, and it didn't stop. But with that being said, you can't 
you know, sometimes people will go and make these like write four of them in three days and think that because they have four of these and it, 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 it all has to make sense. You know, if you think about if you're going to terminate somebody and there's a chance that you're going to be sued for some sort of a discriminatory offense or something, you have to step back and look at it like an outsider would, you know, like, how does this look? And even if you weren't ill intended, did you not really set them up for success? Did you not provide them with what you need? Or did you give them all that stuff that you told them? So often I hear, we told them a hundred times that they would be fired if this happened, but they never wrote it down and they never documented it. So that's as good as it didn't happen. Right. Or if you wrote something down and it, but it doesn't seem reasonable and you still fired the person two days after you found out they were pregnant and now all of a sudden you've got a document saying we don't like her attitude and that's against our customer violation policy so we're going to fire her and we wrote her up for it so so you just got to be cautious but these are all just tools so i will share this with you as well eric the thank you so much action. i am curious what is the key difference between an improvement plan and a corrective uh, initiating a corrective action what improvement plan is helping them improve in terms of like you know setting goals, different things to learn, add books in they there. Haven't necessarily Corrective done action is wrong. a discipline, is more of a yeah. discipline. I have, I have given you, we have coached you. We have tried to help you. We're, this is, it's sort of like, I like to say, this isn't, shouldn't be a first reaction. This should be, we've done everything that we can. Now you need to understand when I give this to you, Eric, you know, it's serious. Mm-hmm. This is serious. You, we have a problem and we have tried to fix it. You are late every single Thursday and Friday. We have talked to you. So this, now you understand this is written down. If you can't fix this, I understand that you have family obligations, but we have a business to run. We cannot keep you here. And that's what this says. Sometimes they sign it. Sometimes they don't. There's all kinds of, you know, you, if they don't sign it, what you do, it'll all be on this form. So, I mean, I think it's, it's more of a disciplinary documentation. It shouldn't be what you use a lot. Got in my opinion. It. Number eight, gather documentation and input. Go for okay, it. Okay, so now we're going to jump towards, you kind of feel like you're ready to terminate somebody, right? You are in that position where you think we've done everything, we've got the, we think we have enough documentation, so you need to take the time. So often people are in such a hurry. They've made a decision they want to fire somebody and they think they have to do it within 12 minutes or, or a day. Slow the process down. You know, I think at the beginning you said, you know, hi, uh, higher, slow, fire, fire fast. fast. Yeah. Not too fast. <laughs> Not too fast. Yeah. You don't hire too slow and you don't want to, you don't want to fire too fast. It doesn't, you don't want it to drag on for days, but you want to do your due diligence. If you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny told me we have a bunch of write-ups fire him right now. Oh wait, we don't have write-ups. That was on the other guy, you know, and then you've already sort of done what you've done. So slow down, gather the documents, get input from other Others, I will tell you, when you terminate somebody involuntarily, it should be a really big deal. Think about your family, your sister's life, your mom's life. If you're going to be fired from your job as an employer, as a manager, as an HR professional, you should think thoroughly about the impact that could potentially have on somebody's life. So, you know, I mean, and I'm not trying to be a softy HR person. I have fired people before. It's not fun. And I do it when I know that I have done everything in my power to make sure that they were successful, you know. So gather the, the documentation, gather the input get the facts. It's a big deal. And then one of the things, this will be the third thing I'm going to attach to you when I email you, Eric, is uh, we've also created an involuntary termination checklist. 
So before you decide to terminate somebody involuntarily, so somebody, you decide you're going to fire somebody, it's good to go through this little checklist. And it's got things like, you know, documentation. Have I followed all of the processes? Do I have what I need? Have they violated the policy standards? It's just kind of a mental check. You know, have you figured, have, have you thought of these factors? And it, there's probably, 20 to 25 yes or no questions on here that you should consider. Okay. So I'll send this to you as well. And then, you know, you can take this and you can edit it or alter it and customize it how you want, but it's a really good tool for managers. And our, we have our clients managers complete this before they terminate, before they involuntarily terminate somebody. All right. Uh, Is that wrap up the gatherer documentation? Yeah, pretty much. You just want to slow down, get the facts, get the documentation, get input, do the, you know, run through the checklist before you decide if you're going to terminate somebody. All right. Number nine, keep it private. Go ahead. Now you're going to terminate somebody. You know, you're in that position. You've made the decision. You have the checklist. HR is approved or however you're going to do this. And then I think you just got to, you know, you start the process. You make sure if you're terminating somebody and this sounds like so obvious, do it outside of the earshot of customers and employees and others. And I, I, you know, I think sometimes our emotions can get the best of us and you forget, you know, but you want to make sure that you are meeting this person in private. The doors are closed. You're not speaking too loudly. There's not going to be any distractions or things like that. And I would recommend that and as often as possible, you have a witness there with you that's in a role of a management position. And, and, you know, if you don't have another manager, you don't want to bring a peer in, somebody's peer in, just because you want to set eyeballs. All right. So it's just a best practice because if it's a one-on-one, it's more of a, you know, he said, she said, if something does go wrong. All right. So what happens if, uh, is there any legal issues that can happen if we don't keep it private? I mean, I think could it potentially turn into something legal if something is said that was, uh, you know, confidential or if it was, you know, if the person says it was very, you know, it, was, it did them harm. It's so embarrassing. I, I mean, there's certainly I people can sue people for anything that they want. But I think if you you know, it's already hard enough if somebody's going to be terminated uh, you know, so doing it in front of other people is just this can be mortifying. So it could potentially cause you not only legal, maybe issues, but cultural issues as well. It's not going to make you look real great as an employer. Got it. All right. Number 10. We're almost there. Be, We're almost there, guys. Be professional and to the point. Get into be it. Be professional and to the point. It's really I'm a very, as you guys can tell, I'm a talkative person. I'm a wordy person. I'm emotional. I like to. But when you're at that point, it's there's there's no there's no benefit to you to be long, drawn out, kind of rehash everything. You've got to be straight to the point. You've made up your decision. Always be considerate and professional and and all that good stuff. And you know what, guys, if you've done this the right way, if you've done all the stuff that we talked about in numbers one through nine, this person's likely not going to be very surprised or you're maybe not even going to have to do the termination because when you hold somebody accountable at the way that we're talking about, they usually decide to leave the company on their own, which would then be a voluntary termination, which isn't as scary, right? Not because you gave them $500. To the point. Did you hear what I said? No, <laughs> I, said, I didn't. I said not because you paid them five hundred dollars to leave. Right, <laughs> very true, Eric. Um, all right, so one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be back okay. to bust out eleven and twelve tips. Eleven right. and twelve. What's up, Unstoppable? So you hear me say it at the beginning of every episode, and that's 
me asking for your support. And one of the ways I want to be better about letting you know how you can support this podcast is through using my affiliate link. So there's two affiliates I want to make sure that you're aware of right now. They are Bento Box and Mies. So starting with Bento Box, Bento Box is probably absolutely, as a matter of fact, the most recommended website platform on the show, like a website development platform on the show. And the funny thing is not only are they just recommended organically, but when I'm researching my guests and I'm looking at their websites to learn more about them, I just see this trend that I I see bento box popping up time and time again. So if you are somebody who's not very web savvy and you know that you're probably just better off outsourcing and handing off, making sure that your website is up to date with all the bells and whistles and just, you know, the the latest version of the best thing you can have, then make sure you're joining or or subscribing to because it's a subscription based model bento box. And it's not just a static website. It's a dynamic tool for your business with bento box. You can do online ordering, dine in order and pay pre-order catering, digital gift cards, merchandise, online ticketing. Uh, not only are you getting website design, but you're also getting SEO and uh, you can manipulate the website from the back end and super user friendly for people who aren't tech savvy or web design savvy. So If you're interested in a website solution and you want what all my guests are using, make sure you head to the show notes page. And if you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 830, today's episode number, we'll have a link for you waiting over there to get Bento Box. You have to use that link because that's how they tie your clicks to my account. The best thing you can do is click the link in the show notes next to Bento Box uh, under the, 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 the show sponsor section and email me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. That way we'll make sure that you're supporting the show. The other sponsor I want to tell you about is Mies. So Mies is like Evernote for the chef. It is a recipe and costing tool and e-learning tool. It's all these different tools in one, and it really helps you get all of your thoughts onto not paper, but into the cloud accessible anywhere. And I think one of the coolest features I, I like about Mies is that if you didn't go to culinary school like me and you're not really savvy with uh, conversions with recipes or just like scaling recipes, if you manipulate one field in a recipe, it will auto populate every other field in the recipe to, uh, to basically mirror that one change you needed. So say, you know, you, your recipe generally calls for one pound of flour, but you need to scale it for catering and you're going to be feeding a thousand people. Then you can move it to a hundred pounds Right. And then every other ingredient in that recipe will scale to um, just basically make it easier and consistent and having no, I don't know, element unseen uh, when it comes to scaling recipes. I think that's really powerful. The other really cool part about me is that I'm excited about is the e-learning features. So when you're developing these recipes, you can also implement these or embed these videos to literally show your people exactly how you want it done. So you can increase your operational standards. So Again, the company name is Mies and their website is getmies.com slash unstoppable. Please make sure you're using these links and that you're emailing me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com when you use a link so I can make sure to follow up on my end. All right, guys, thank you so much for your support. You have no idea how grateful I am. We're back and we're going to cover tips 11 in 12 and then open this sucker up for Q&A, but let's get into it. 11, share legally required information. What do you mean by that? 
What do I mean by that? So first of all, when you're going to terminate somebody, again, I told you before, last step, be very thoughtful and slow it down a little bit. And part of that process of when you're slowing it down is to gather the legal information. When do you pay? So if you're terminating somebody in a certain state, you have to pay them the day you terminate them. A lot of states like that, or you have to pay them in 24 hours. Have that, have their check, have that information, give them their COBRA information. So you need to find out from your payroll or HR team, what kind of benefits they have, you know, be, be prepared to understand what you need to pay out in terms of sick pay and vacation pay and all of that good stuff. So just slow down and have all of that information uh, together. And my recommendation, on all of those kind of insurance things if you can have it in writing sometimes it's very emotional and they aren't they're going to run out of there and you're not going to have an opportunity to you know have them sign that you've told them that these things are coming or whatever but you know it's good it just shows the more organized and button up you can show them the less likely they're going to go hey they know you're not sloppy and i think that's very important when you're about to terminate someone they know you've got it together you've kind of gone through hr you're, you you've taken your time you have their check so a lot of times people go really fast they do this they don't have their check and that's what they hang on they call the eeoc because hey they fired me they said it was for cause they were supposed to have my check and i didn't get it for 2 weeks and that just starts the investigation and whether you lose or not that It just starts all these problems. So make sure that you have all that information when you sit down in the termination. And I will tell you, too, a lot of times people ask me, you know, well, my employee wants my the person I fired wants in writing why I terminated them. You know, there are certain states that require you provide that information and there are certain states that say you don't have to. So you need to know if it's a state that you do. And if they do request it, uh, you need to make sure that you're slowing that down and remembering whatever you're giving to them is going out there and it's unchangeable. So you've got to make sure that you slow that down and and uh, give that to them with the right information. Great advice. And the last tip, learn from each termination. What do you mean by yeah. that? Guys, I, you know, I told you I've been in the business a long time. I've owned my own company for 11 years. I worked as a director of HR for Potbelly for a decade. I learn from every single termination I do. I learn how not only how to do things better, I might change processes. It's very, you know, it could be a very emotional thing. But I think if you really reflect on every situation that you go through like this and you ask yourself, how can I prevent this from happening again? Like, what can I do? So, you know, where did I fail this person? And maybe you go through it and you go, I really didn't. That was just a bad, bad hire. Well, that's where you went wrong then. You hired a bad hire, you know, and you just, you sort of like ask yourself that question. So if you look at every failure or everything like this as an opportunity to learn, then you really never lose, right? So if you're just continually learning and growing and, uh, you know, you're going to be better off. So as you're terminating people, you know, ask yourself, ask your managers, ask your, the people that are operating your restaurants, how you could have done something better. Yeah. I mean, just that, that exit interview. I mean, I think, I mean, or is that something you wouldn't ask the person that's terminated? Would you ask the person you're terminating what you could have done better? Is that, or is it just, you know, that's a good question. I think that depending on the circumstances, I will tell you that there's been a couple terminations I've done in my, with my company. And we had the kind of relationship where I could ask and they sort of knew and it was handled very delicately. Most of the time, you're not going to exit interview somebody that you're terminating. You're not going to have yeah. that opportunity, and it's usually not cordial. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to say they might not like if you're telling someone they're fired, and you say, "Hey, what what advice do you have for me?" They might, yeah. they might. Now, if they decide on to leave your company, <laughs> you know, and then there's an opportunity to do that. I mean, again, I really like to 
ask these the questions that people ask at exit interviews. I like to ask those as people are working for me or yeah. there's times that we can sense somebody seeming a little burnt out and we kind of get to them and start asking them, are there things that we can do? And, you know, but I think that if you're in the middle of terminating somebody and you go through it and they, they didn't run off upset, you don't want to say, can I do an ed- exit interview on you? You know, I just don't think that would be uh, yeah, appropriate. So at that point, it's a little torturous. It's like, can yeah. you just leave already? I'm having a bad day. Like, yeah. I mean? <laughs> <So>. um, <laughs> awesome stuff that that concludes our 12 tips for uh, the termination process. And now we're going to open it up uh, for Q&A. I actually have a question for you. I mean, is there anything that you see consistently that people do that's just like an absolute no, no, that can get you in trouble? That's just like the biggest violator. Maybe a list of two or three things that you should just not do. But, well, go way too fast go way too fast and not think things through. I mean, I think that is something that we see very consistently. And unfortunately we do see a lot of when, you know, right now, you know, we're in uh, we're in a staffing crisis, right? So I think that operators understandably are putting up with a whole lot more than they would, but when they don't have those needs anymore and they get us, they have the same situation with that terrible employee. And now they've had enough where they, they don't necessarily need the person. They decide to terminate them, but they've let them get away with violating those policies forever that can cause them trouble so we see that a lot um or when it becomes like sort of inconvenient for an operator and they figure out so building a case against you know like unfortunately i mean we've seen this a number of times where somebody will just you know they'll find out that somebody on their team is having a baby and they oh they were supposed to be my manager now they're going to be off for three they haven't really been doing that great of a job and they try to start to build a case against their performance so they don't have to bring them back or whatever you know that doesn't happen a ton but i think those kind of things happen that whole whole like mentality of you know i'll put up with it when i'm really in need but when i'm not i'm going to do everything to get them out really fast and it's just going to cause you issues yeah i think the biggest lesson one of the big takeaways for me and just overall when it comes to termination is setting the expectation from day one of, of literally just what's expected like and if you the more you can document the more you can put on that in that handbook of this is what we expect from you. Do you agree or disagree? Sign here. The more you're protecting yourself later down the road, especially when it comes to protocol and like like when it comes to things like uniform and cleanliness and all those things that you have. Like those are usually some of the big offenders. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yeah, no that 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 definitely uh, happens. I mean, I think. Eric, you know, I think, you know, ultimately everybody should hear on this call that it is this whole thing, like building teams, you know, building a strong culture, having the right people. It's super hard. It is so it is hard for everybody. But I think the ones that are committed to doing what they need to do to build really simple systems that employ so employees can do their job and they really lead by making emotional connections with their people they're honest they're open they give the great positive feedback but they also are comfortable with giving that day-to-day constructive feedback that's another one thing i see that people don't want to hit things head on and then it causes them issues later because people are surprised that they're not doing well. So I think if you're just a good, if you're able, if you're confident enough to tell people the truth, like you're not doing a great job, what's going on? You know, if you're, and for some reason, I mean, I see this with owners, multi-unit operators, executives, it's just, you know, people are nice people and they don't want to hurt people's feelings. They want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but the more sort of like direct, if you think about, if you, if you're inspired by a sport, 
sports coach or somebody in your past, maybe a college professor that was just super caring, but really honest. That's what I think most people need and want. And And there's this like, there's this idea that people are not capable of getting hard feedback. But I think if you if you build these simple systems, if you lead, you make if people know you care about them. They know you appreciate them. You're not afraid to give them the reality, the truth on an ongoing basis, not just in the comfort of an office with a performance review, but all the time you're going to have let you're not going to have as many problems and terminations and lawsuits and unemployment and all that good stuff. Yeah, I think it goes back to just like I was saying, you know, when you have the 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 protocol and the standards uh like here are like the operational standards and also when you have system and process when you have all these things written down and documented it's easier to correct the process not the person you can point to something you can point to the expectation and say this is what we expect this is where you are and it's not about correcting the person as much as it's about correcting the process and when you can take it and, and you know not put it on the person i think it just makes it that much easier you know yeah um but Anyway, I think this was this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Very enlightening. If there there is one hand up, Bob, I see you. Go ahead and unmute your mic. Ask your question. Uh, I, I just wanted to bring up a uh, a condition that you may have run into. Okay. Uh, in certain states, they go through the formality of requesting copies of driver's licenses for potential hires so that they can run a background check on the individual. And the reason why they do it is because of the possibility of a workman's comp issue. Yeah. Have you run into that? Um, I, I have heard of similar things and that's against the law, as you probably know, you're not supposed to do that. Um, you know, here's what I'll tell you about, copying driver's licenses and IDs. If you're doing that for the purpose of your I-9, you can fill out, you can use it, you can copy that. You just need to do it for all people. So well, you're that's, copying. That's, it's just, it's SLP. Yeah, and, but but and, to, to take someone's driver's license and do it, first of all, you need consent to do a background check and you need to do a background check after you hire them. Okay, you can't do, you know, because the reason that you can't do a background check before you hire them is that you're getting information that you're not allowed to know their date of birth their you know, like things like that. So you don't do background checks until you have actually, you know, when we that's why you hear people say, you know, we're going to do a background check that's contingent. You know, your, your offer is contingent on your background check coming back. You're not supposed to be doing the background checks you know, prior to that, but discriminating against somebody because they have had a former workers compensation claim uh, is definitely not only is it illegal, it is absolutely a common legal issue. It's like, you know, up there in some of the other wage and hour overtime type things. If, if you're an employer that is trying to find that information out and then discriminating against people for that, that can definitely cause you issues. And I think sometimes people do it, not trying to be malicious or like, I can't afford, or I, you know, maybe this isn't a great person. I mean, I think there's, you know, you can really hone your efforts on doing a very thorough interview, really make sure you're asking the right questions, get to know the people that you're hiring as much as you can do your reference checks, find out as much as you can, you know, people, I know some people aren't, don't think they can get a lot out of reference checks. I get a ton of information out of reference checks. It's all about how you pose it. Maybe we need to do a workshop on that, Eric. How to really effectively get, Let's put it on uh, the calendar uh, three months from today. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, so, so Carrie, Yes. How, how do you avoid the condition of, and I'm not saying there's a lot of them out there, but 
there are professional workman comp kind of scam guys that go from company to company and create a condition. How do you avoid that? What do you mean? What do you mean? There's a, there's a lot of bad, you know, there's, there's like, you mean there's owners that do this? No, 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 no. There are, there are individuals that go from company to company. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's employees. I mean, the truth, the truth is that's, you're absolutely right. And there's, there's people out there, uh, Bob, that, that go, all right, I'm going to check out this company. They seem to be growing really fast. You know, maybe it's workers comp or maybe they go, I know they're going to ask me, I see on their website, they ask me a question about if I'm a criminal or not. And they, I know they're not supposed to ask that question. So I'm going to go work there and then I'm going to sue them. There are bad people in the world. That's, I mean, and so, so what the only thing that we can control is to have our systems and processes buttoned up. I am a, I am a, I am an HR professional. I talk, obviously come on to workshops like this. And I talk about this all day long. I've had attempts in my own company. It's just that the problem is there are people that are desperate for money or they're going to, they're going to do things that I certainly wouldn't do. Uh, They wouldn't be in line with my values, but you almost have to prepare for that. I mean, there's people that rob restaurants. There's people that come to work for you that are going to try to scam you. There are scammers all over the world. I mean, there's just, uh, you know, so I think, you know, how do you address that? I mean, you really, you can't ask the question, have you had a worker's comp claim? By the way, if that person is going to scam you for it, they're not going to be honest with that question anyway. You know, they're, they're, you know, and, you know, well, you might find something on a background check. You might not either. You, you don't know. But you, you know, but who knows that person might have had a, that might have had a very legitimate uh, issue. So I think what you have to spend your energy on is trying to have, Really, really great systems. Have a really thorough interview process. Make sure that your standards are high with who you're bringing on. How long do they stay at companies? What are some red flags in their application? There's a lot of things that you can learn about somebody before they come to work for you. Carrie, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the question, Bob. And uh, thank you for everybody who joined us today. Uh, before we say goodbye, just a quick reminder, you do have three documents that you sh- are going to be sharing with the network. What are those one more time? Okay, we have the involuntarily termination checklist. One. The corrective action record. Two. And then I'm going to share the uh, employee handbook table of contents checklist. This is basically the headings of everything that you should put in your employee handbook. Three. And if you want access to those documents, be sure to join Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Uh, there's Just head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com or shoot me an email. I'll give you a link for a 30-day trial if you want to come test it out and get those documents, we'll, we'll let you in. And uh, how can we connect with you, Carrie? If we have any questions, maybe we want to work with you. What's the best way to connect? Um, well, you could go through my website is carryluxum.com. My company website is restauranthrgroup.com. I'm on LinkedIn, not as actively as I used to be, but I'm still on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. So, and, this is episode- and then also Eric, I'm going to pop in uh, another five or so books if you want to give an incentive for these guys to, um, you can give them a copy of my book, but I'll send yes. you some more copies of my book. That's right. And that's the show. HR playbook, correct? Yes. Beautiful. Uh, you guys heard it. What are you waiting for? Make it happen. And this is episode 830. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 830 for the summary of today's discussion. We'll also have a link in that, the show notes for you guys to jump over to the network and grab those assets. Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you. It was really great being on your show again. The pleasure is always mine. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Awesome. Cheers. 
There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. The 12 tips to properly terminating your employees with Carrie Luxem. I hope you guys found value in that. I know I did. And we really can't underestimate how important it is to uh, just go about this the right way because it can come back to bite us. And the whole process with termination starts with hiring, really hiring the right person, making sure you're hiring the person that's going to succeed in your organization, and also just making sure you're setting expectations from day one, I think is a big takeaway for me in today's episode. So I know you're thinking to yourself right now, yeah, 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 Eric, we we, we know there's a lot of value in today's episode, but where do we get these free giveaways that Carrie was talking about. We have three free giveaways. So if you're interested in getting the handbook or the, the, the table of contents for the employee handbook, we also have the corrective action form and the involuntary term termination checklist. So one more time, that's the employee handbook template, the table of contents and the corrective action form and the involuntary termination checklist. If you want those three assets, here's what you got to do to get them. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 830 and in the show notes, you will find a link for a 30 day trial to Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Join the network and Go to that episode once you, you create your profile uh, in the network. We'll have those three assets over there waiting for you when you join the network. And thank you so much for listening to the show, for uh, joining the network, giving it a trial to get these three uh, assets in return. I know that you'll be happy once you get over there. And uh, some other things that I want to let you know about that I'm really excited about is that uh, we started the book club at the beginning of this past quarter. And the the book club has since evolved or sp- out of the book club has spun out this new thing uh, of just uh, habit accountability. like It's a habit club is what happened. And Jared, uh, my right-hand man, had this great idea that we just called a a habit club. So we're going to continue to do the book club. The book club is going to be more focused on high overarching books, but we're going to be doing this other thing where we're really just holding each other accountable to forming habits and implementing system and process in our business. So if that sounds like something you would love to be a part of, again, come join the network. All right, guys, until next time, peace out.